What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're back for part two of the offense against the Commanders. Joining me again, Voss Larikos. Voss, how are you doing? Doing great, Ken. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to uh, discussing some of these ascending young offensive playmakers. Yeah, lots to lots certainly to talk about. Uh, interesting game against the Commanders. If you haven't downloaded part one, please go back and do that. A lot of good information there about you know, what the streak kind of meant to us and what sacrifices might have been being made about the deployment order, about uh, the depth in the running back room and how the Ravens may address that in terms of, of what's going on. But still much more to be decided. Uh, the, the offensive side of the ball, uh, as we talk about the individual talent, some very exciting performances we're going to get to in this uh, in this episode. So, Let's jump right into that, Voss, and uh, I'll tell you what. Start, we'll, we'll start with the quarterbacks. You're the guest. Pick a quarterback. Make your comments on him. I'll respond, and then I'll pick the next. I'll take Brown, uh, and I thought Brown had a pretty good game. He looked pretty sharp, looked pretty comfortable in the offense, had a nice scramble on one play to pick up a first down, and his touchdown pass to Volkolek, the second touchdown, mm-hmm. uh, I thought was a, a really nice, a really nice accurate throw. Yeah, really, I, I agree with that. Um, the the second one is the one between the three defenders, okay, right. back of the end zone. If you go back to the 2004 game at the New York Jets, that was the game they had the big comeback. Ed Reed had the interception return that got called back from being a touchdown, but was still 78 yards or something. And and they ended up with a 20-17 to 17 overtime win 
but the big player in that game was Clarence Moore with a pattern that they referred to as zipper. And what zipper meant is you go between the two seams, the two, you know, those zippers that are parted on the, on the field and high up in the back of the end zone to a tall receiver where there was really no defense against it. And they, they ran it twice successfully in that game, despite the fact that in the, in between Clarence Moore had kind of let the team down with a bad alligator arms play on a, on a critical, a, a critical play. That play was zipper. Uh, effectively. There was three defenders and it still was pretty much difficult to defend because of the height of Vokalek and his ability to get up for that football. It's nice to have a weapon like that. Absolutely. That's right where you put it, where the receiver can make a play and the defensive backs can't. You see a lot of touchdowns every week uh, around the league in that in that similar area. Mm -hmm. Anquan Bolden, the couple touchdowns against the Patriots in the AFC Championship game of a similar kind of a uh, vein, not exactly the same off the line of scrimmage, but uh, but still, uh, you know, getting the ball up high between the goalposts is a is a tried and true variety, that's for sure. I wanted to talk about Anthony Brown because I think it was primarily the offense that caused the streak to end. Basically, I think that they they were not very aggressive at all with the football. Um, and they had some awareness issues that were very significant in the final minutes. Uh, and specifically, you mentioned the run by Brown, which went for 24 yards times the end of the game. Good run, good to get free, good to you know make use of space. He has got to get down in bounds on that play. He has to do it. Uh, hmm. And it, it, you know, it's a preseason game. It doesn't matter. Blah 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 blah. It does matter. It matters that you know how to play football right to try and win a football game, whether or not you uh, uh, you know get a, a, a 20 or 24 yard run. That actually doesn't matter. Right. What mattered there was the was the getting down in bounds, and that upset me. And then the next play, Wright did the same thing on a little play to the left. He couldn't stop himself from being carried out of bounds, and he wanted to stay in bounds. He knew it was the correct thing to stay in bounds. He just couldn't do it, and he got mm -hmm. he strayed too far towards the sideline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair points all around. You definitely doesn't matter if it's preseason. You play football the right way all the time. That's how you that's how you remember to do it in the regular season. Uh, now Brown had the pick to end the game, which honestly, that's a that's a throwaway pick. No, but but otherwise had a clean uh, slate for the game in terms of of not throwing an interception. He did lead them on the one drive at the beginning of Q three for the touchdown to to Vokalek. Yeah, that was a touchdown to Vokalek. So he threw two to Vokalek. He threw he threw that and the one two drives later to Vokalek. Mm -hmm. So. Um, you know, a couple of, a couple of impressive plays. The first one, Vokalek was impressive in terms of getting into the end zone, but it was still a nice right. connection from him to from him to from Brown. Yep. No, I thought he looked sharp on that whole entire drive, and uh, it was the it was the uh, the next. Well, so they score on all three drives, right? Or no, they they scored a touchdown on the first drive. The second punt. drive, uh, they punted. Then the touchdown, and then the end of the game. Punt, 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 interception at the end of the game. Yeah, it was the it was the punt, punt, interception time, and in particular that last drive where they got the ball with four oh eight to play. You got to mm -hmm. be able to either either take a minute and a half, say sorry, take two minutes off the clock, get it down to the two minute warning, or you got to be able to exhaust their timeouts. And hopefully mm -hmm. you do that, and you get a first down, and then all of a sudden you you're you're in great shape. And um, at the bare minimum, they they you know, should have used some more clock and honestly probably would have made the difference in the game the way it came down. You'd have a, a, a shorter amount of time, fewer plays for the for the offense to get in field goal position. So anyway, was what it was. We're not going to get too caught up in that. But uh, 
let's move on. If talk a little bit about Tyler Huntley, um, sorry, not Tyler Huntley, about um, uh, Johnson. Josh Johnson, who I thought looked really good. The, the the ball was largely on target, had a really good zip for for most of the game. Uh, still has good velocity, good arm strength, and and I've been noticing that in camp as well. That, that he's uh, he definitely delivers on meaningful velocity there. And uh, uh, the interception that he had was 100% on Prochet. I think we talked about that in the first episode, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know it went right through Prochet. Prochet has had a black cat camp right now. It's it's there. He's got a army of the night of black cats surrounding him in terms of his fortune. Yeah. feel bad for the guy. Just uh, doesn't look like he's an NFL caliber receiver, unfortunately. Um, back to Johnson. I thought he looked very sharp, especially the first drive, the script that Munkin had executed it to perfection as the, the orchestrator. Um, did it. I mean, there's only a few incompletions. One was a pretty clear drop. But he did a nice job of, uh, Putting, allowing his receivers to go up and make some contested catches uh, where it was safe for them to do so, Kolar in particular. <laughs> also thought he does well to uh, – he's pretty accurate on, like, the short passes, the swing passes, uh, that sort of thing. But he just, he just seemed cool and calm and collected and in full command. Um, it, it, was a, it was a great show. You can't really ask for anything more. Yeah, and he was the one at the end of the first half. No, he okay. Now the back shoulder to Wallace. Yes, that was the end of the first half. That was him. Yeah, throwing that. And I have just loved seeing the accuracy on that pass. It, it seems like it's been missing from the offense, and it is a it is a a timing play. Mm-hmm. I I I would not say that Lamar Jackson cannot learn to do timing plays. I'm just saying Lamar Jackson has a lot of distractings distractions in being an improviser at quarterback that make timing throws a departure from normal behavior potentially. So Joe Flacco and Derek Mason, they had great timing. Flacco had fantastic velocity in terms of getting that ball to the outside. And Mason didn't have the problem with, with uh, catching a high velocity ball out there and, and still had enough uh, in the tank to threaten the deep route, which made those, those comebacks and hitches so effective. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I you know, I would love to see that return to the offense. I think Zay Flowers is a perfect candidate to do it. I think Bateman can run all of those routes. So I think they have the guys to do it. Um, I, I just think that, uh, you know, it, it becomes a bigger challenge when the quarterback is not as focused on exact uh, tick-tock timing in his head uh, playing out. Yeah, that's the that's the give and the take with Lamar's skill set. Uh Notably, there was another play in the second half where uh, Brown targeted Demas on a back shoulder throw, and he left it short, and it was incomplete. So, uh, so yeah, that Johnson looked good, for, yeah. especially on that Wallace touchdown. All right, uh, let's move over to the running back room. Then we got a we got a complex set. We talked a little bit in that first episode, just to scratch the surface in terms of the the, the players in this game. So we're going to overlap a little bit with that, but uh, some difficulty in determining how you cut down this group. Who do you want to start with? I think Justice Hill is a roster lock. He has shown some explosiveness that uh, he showed sporadically throughout his career, but not consistently, and it seems to be more consistent. He also brings a lot to the table on special teams. So, uh, you know, he really was a, a repeated – he was the uh, the engine for that first drive to get them down the field. Mitchell has been outstanding um, for what he's been asked to do. And I think Gordon is the, the odd man out. And 
let me go back to Hill for a second. I kind of want yeah. to do this one at a time. If you, I'm sorry. But yeah. So, so I, I, we agree completely on Hill, and I love the the the, the Ravens' speed and space and and the ability to use that. Really nice to see the edge, an edge that is um, uh, something that you can race around. Because in the Lamar, mm-hmm. that's been one of the problems is that is that the edge has usually been very difficult to get to with Lamar Jackson at quarterback because there is a lot of understanding that Roman's offense was was very horizontal in terms of creating space along the line of scrimmage for Lamar to penetrate at a, at a given point. And what that meant is that they're looking to contain Lamar and the speed guys at all the exits. And so the line of scrimmage is much more covered. Um, and, and it's nice to see that the, the new change in weapons actually forces that to be more of an issue for opposing defensive coordinators. Now, it's easy to say that in a preseason game, second-tier players also who are having trouble – with their tackling anyway at the NFL level uh, could, could be a part of it and their angles in particular with regard to Hill. Yeah. But we have seen it in the regular season as well, where he, he can create his own angles sometimes. So I'm, I'm optimistic on Hill. I like him as a, a multi-year contributor for this team. Looking forward. I, I like the fact that the Hill run, I believe was to the short side of the field as well, that he found the edge and that's, that's hard to do. Um, harder to do anyway, because, you know, that, that middle strip is, I forget how many yards wide, might be about eight yards wide in the middle of a 53 and a 53 and a third, 53 and a third. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yard wide field. And and so you, you, uh, you have less space to, uh, to work with on that side, but, uh, but that was a good play. Uh, who, uh, let's see, you, you picked Hill, right? Well, yes. I'll, I'll talk about Mitchell, who I think I really love as a player. There's a lot, there's some similarities to Hill. Um, if, if Mitchell is to be as valuable to this team, he has to do one of a couple of things better than Hill. He has to be a better burst guy to the outside, which he can be, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, he certainly has the speed right now. Or he has to be a more dangerous receiver after he gets the ball in his hands because he's got certain deficiencies he'll never catch up. And one is he doesn't really contribute anything on – kick coverage or punt coverage in the way Hill does. Another thing is that um, he's not really a guy you naturally trust on third down because he doesn't have the size to be a decent NFL pass blocker. So he either has to be an unbelievable on the receiving side, or he has to, to um, confine his play and effectiveness on a per snap basis to, to, to those early downs. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think the speed to the edge is something that, Hill might be uh, an A level and, and Mitchell's an A plus. So uh, you know, it's it is pretty rare to see him, you know, bend that edge and and so consistently as we've seen throughout camp and the preseason. Yeah, been 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 exciting, honestly, both both places to see him um, put on a little burst. And this is one of the things you don't really get at camp. And if you've been out there for for days, I know you have Voss that 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 you don't get um, a good understanding of what the running backs look like from camp. Right. First of all, they run out every play, even after the whistle. So they're, they're always running for a touchdown. So you don't get any sense from that. So you really got to figure out where is their burst? Are they hitting a hole? Right. Was it really the offensive line that made the hole? You know, it's, then they have run drills and they have pass drills. So the defense is kind of queued up in terms of when they're getting run plays to look at most of the time. So they know they can mm-hmm. kind of play for that, which creates additional problems for the running backs. I just, I, I, I am, consistently frustrated with my ability to analyze running backs in camp as opposed 100%. to hundred percent. A hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. You, you really learn almost nothing about running backs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but he did. He certainly has looked great in the preseason, and you know, no no problem at all with the thirty five yard run that got called back. It was a it was a great run in his own right, and uh, uh, he's he's looked electric. And I, the Ravens have to find a way to keep him. Agreed. Uh, they'd be they'd be foolish to let him go at this point, especially with the long term you know concerns. Not concerns, but their top two guys are coming up on free agency, so. Yeah, great, great point. I mean, it's this is you don't play this game for just one year. These aren't APA cards that you get to torch or, or or toss into a fire at the end of the year. You know, these are not that anybody hopefully would do that with their with their game, but these guys are going to be around for future years. And Mitchell, in some ways, is the Ravens' most important back. He's the only one. Well, yeah, that's not true. Hill is signed for 2024, um, and Mitchell is available to the Ra- or is signed actually. Now he's now he's available to the Ravens because he'll be an ERFA for the next three seasons under some terms. But Gus and J.K. may may both be moving on. And it's possible they can re-sign one of them. I'd say, let's hear your percentages on that. How would you handicap it? Um, Should z- they or will zero, they? zero, one or two. If it's zero, uh, one or two of Edwards and J.K., what would you expect percentage-wise? Okay, I'm going I'm to write this down. Say... Okay, I got mine. Let's go 40% zero. Okay. 55% one, 5% two. We're almost the same. And this is this is two GMs looking at it together. I said 50, 45, and five uh, for zero, one, and two. So very, very similar. If, if they do re-sign somebody, I think it might be Edwards or it might be a, yeah. a, a, a deal with Dobbins. It seems like Edwards is the more reasonable one, given the relative cost. I think that you, you'd have to pay, but he may have suitors, and you know, depending on the kind of year he has. I just can't think, can't imagine a better place to save cap space when you're paying a franchise quarterback than running back. You can grab a guy in the third round to, cut, to round out the group with Hill and Mitchell next year and still be a top-five rushing offense in the league. Not to not to stick that thorn in Androcles's uh, uh, paw anymore, but uh, actually, Androcles is the is the human, right? So in, in the lion's paw anymore. But what about uh, what about saving money at inside linebacker? Yes, uh, those are the two places. Uh, those are to me. I've softened my stance on the premium positions to some extent over the last few years, but I do still think that the way the way the most efficient way to build a roster is to go cheap at the two most replaceable positions on the roster, which are running back and linebacker for a lot of different reasons. But, uh, you know, the way the Eagles kind of construct their roster, I think that's pretty much the way to do it. It's interesting because the Eagles right now had Miles Jack retire mm-hmm. on them unexpectedly. They have mm-hmm. a high surplus of cornerbacks. They, they can't mm-hmm. even keep them all, but, but you know, they, they've got quality as well at the position. And the Ravens have a – Inside linebacker depth that is one of the only places that they can truly draw from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a uh, you know they, if they if they traded Queen it would be a downgrade in terms of the position for 2023 no doubt about it. But on the other hand, the 2023 ain't the only year you're concerned about, and the Ravens' drop off at cornerback is a lot worse than their drop off at inside linebacker. Sure, um, but I'm not sure Philly would be interested in doing that because I actually watched a little bit of the preseason game last week. And their mid-round linebackers they picked in recent years are, are are playing well, showing out, and they have that big defensive line in front of them. And I think they'd rather save the cap space and put it somewhere else, based on the way they draft and the way they pay. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's very reasonable as a as a reaction to that. I think that uh, Patrick Queen honestly would do extremely well with Philadelphia with having huge defensive linemen in front of him. I think that mm-hmm. would really work very well for him. Uh, it, it, maybe almost as well as having Roquan next to him, which mm-hmm. which works extremely well. But uh, but I think that's that uh, is is uh, certainly a possibility. The, the the trade I've been pimping is uh, Queen for Kelly Ringo. Ringo, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I liked Ringo. We did this. We were live on her show when they made the Simpson pick when Ringo was on the board, and I was not a happy camper at that point. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, sometimes, sometimes I think you gotta say BPA be damned. We need a corner. We got to take a corner here, especially when a guy who had a top fifty grade or top sixty grade going into the draft. But uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. It is what it is. We are now uh, there. Uh, other running backs in this game you want to talk about? You want to talk about Gordon at all or Ricard? Um, Ricard, I thought, played well. He hit, he really did some nice blocking, as always. He had that uh, drag route that he picked up, caught the ball, took it for a first down. I thought Mason actually blocked pretty well, too, late in the game. A uh, little bit of I-form lead blocking, as well as uh, springing uh, on an off-tackle run. So I thought both the fullbacks played well. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with the way Mason played. He's had a very hard time hanging on to the ball in camp. Uh, catching the football is just as, as hands of freaking stone as far as uh, doing mm-hmm. that. So that's been a, a general problem. But, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a solid blocker. I thought what was interesting about this game, and they had Mason, so it's not like they didn't have any way to address the problem I'm going to talk about, but they played Ricard only for the first three series. So mm-hmm. they're still giving him that starter treatment, even though – this might have been a game where you want him later as well to mm-hmm. to 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 help you uh, pound out the game. But it, it looks to me from this game, from how well Ricard blocked, that he is probably now safe from being cut this year. Uh, there was a bit, little bit of cap savings from cutting him this year. There's a lot more next year in terms of what is, but I think it's still 1.75 million maybe this year to to cut him. So small incentive if Monken really doesn't want him in the offense. Yeah, a couple million here or there. I think this is his last year either way because that cap hit does balloon next year, and they're going to have a lot of void money next year on the books already. So it's really a one-year decision. Does Ricard give you more than somebody else would? I do think that it's – I think he's a valuable player when you're, you know, leading in the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. and want to put the other team away and salt away the clock. As you said, if he played the last fourth quarter of this game, the Ravens' the streak might still be intact probably. Uh, well, some of those plays you were mentioning with guys not being able to stay in bounce and that sort of thing. So, you know, I don't feel a strong way about it. It's just let's let's frame it as is is the the difference in Ricard for 2013 worth more than the cap savings? That's really the question, right? And and every any player you take out of there, and Ricard would be this this situation would exist too. If you show, say, a cap savings of $1.75 million, I think it is, if you go out to OTC, you're going to have to use between 750000 of that and a million to pay the player who replaces him on the roster. So you, don't, you only get a portion of that savings. You don't get all of it. So you got to think about, you know, what are they going to, who are they going to instead pay to, to play in that other spot? Yeah, it would only be if you, if you saw a long-term future for Vocalec, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I mean, that would be one reason. I think if if I don't know if how this would play out, but if Monken were to really, uh, he could die on this hill if he did. Frankly, 
if he were to, to, to put a stake in the ground and say, look, I don't want Ricard in this offense no matter what. I'm not going to make use of him. So if you can play him at guard, great. If you can play him on the defensive line, great. But I'm not playing him on offense. Um, if he if he made some statement like that saying, you know, he's just he, he's absolutely the antithesis of how I want to run an offense. Um, and I think I think probably Harbaugh would and, and EDC would consider cutting him, probably try to trade him first, but 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 cutting him. Yeah, you know, behind closed doors, when your OC puts his foot down and your head coach puts his foot down the other way, or what type of the brand, what style they want to be, I think really the most likely scenario here is he might take a little bit of a haircut to stay on the team this year, maybe give back a couple a million dollars in incentives, playing time incentives or something along those lines. Uh, we've seen that in years past with, I think, Brandon Williams took a little pair cut towards the end of his contract. Um, we've seen that with a few guys. So the way it's kind of shaken out, it, it does remind me of some of those other guys where they went to and said, hey, we gave you this contract. We're going a little bit different direction. We still want to keep you around, but but help us out a little bit and give us a little cap savings back. Conceivable. I, I don't know if that would fly. I don't. I just. I don't know how great a market there is for Ricard outside of this building. But it seems to me when he's only making a, you know, it's. I think it's two point seven five million this year. But let me look at the at the at the thing here. Patrick Ricard makes um is a four million dollar base salary. Sorry, that's twenty twenty four. I'm looking at two point seven five million dollar base and. A uh, 1.75 million dollar cap savings. So if they said we're looking to go another way, could you get them to to, to decrease by 500 thousand, maybe? But you got to think there's another team out there. From the Cleveland Browns, I'd love to take Patrick Ricard away from the Ravens, and they have yep. a, a huge war chest built up, presumably to look to to hunt for Aaron Donald at midseason. <laughs> I saw that they're moving money around with uh, with no apparent. Uh... That that would make a lot of sense. Donald would fit fit in mm-hmm. that drop in that defense perfectly. Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But you know, I think this is probably the end of the line for Pat this year. But I do think he's going to be on the team to start the season. All right, all right. Well, let's move on to that tight end position. Who do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's do Charlie Kolar. Okay, started off the game with a pretty bad drop. Um, and then made a really strong contested catch. Uh, and then later on uh, in the second quarter, a really nice concentration grab in traffic. So I thought he showed good hands. I wasn't overly enthusiastic about his blocking per se, but um, I think he is a pretty competent tight end three at this point. Yeah, I've I've been fairly impressed with what he's been able to do from a blocking perspective, so I'm okay with that. But the but the uh, it was, it's weird that the easiest catch of the night, which still was kind of contested, there's a there's a there's a hand reaching across his body. It's actually mm-hmm. difficult to show that it's a drop as opposed to you know somebody's hacking at his arm exactly as he's as he's receiving the ball. But it probably was a drop, and it was a little flat route or whatever it was, just a, a couple of yards past the line of scrimmage at most. And uh, and so that was that didn't look great. But then the two balls he caught are about the, as tough as contested catches right. was. And the first one he went up and kind of went into the fetal position around the football at the catch point, which I love to see. That's that's a very <laughs> very good way to safely body body the ball. 
and uh, and then came down with it no problem and, and might have been a couple of yards after the catch, but it wasn't much. And then the second one, he took a big hit after the catch mm-hmm. that dislodges the ball from a lot of players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just a that was very impressive for him to hang on to that one. And both big big fan throws. Yeah, you know, I don't, we're not, we're going to see how much action he sees in the regular season. Uh, there's only one ball and a lot of mouths to feed now. But as far as a third tight end that's still developing after missing most of last year, uh, I think you have to be pretty pleased with where he is right now. So you're you're mentioned Vokalek in terms of a guy who could replace Ricard. What's your feeling about having? Um, Rick, some of Ricard's duties, if he were not here or if he were injured, either one, um, replacing uh, having Kolar replace him in, as their backfield guy. I think that would be the natural replacement, the first replacement. Looking at it, even just coming into camp, those were, if you were going to jettison Ricard, Kolar was probably going to be the guy to take those inline reps. Um, I don't know. I mean, Vokalek, he's just kind of that, that training camp darling at this point right now. So just worth talking about after a two-touchdown game. Yeah. All right. You you, t- you pick Kolar. I'll take Vokalek a little bit. Um, targeted an awful lot in this preseason and in, in, in camp and in the games, obviously. Uh, showed really good hands, showed some vertical presence in that first game by getting over the top and having a nice ball dropped into him. That was that was really nice. And then the the – yeah, yards after the catch, he put on display on the first touchdown, which I thought was really good. He, it was that was not a low traffic throw, so it's pretty good throw. It wasn't a particularly great catch, but he secured it. And then the really nice thing was his play after the catch, where you know getting getting to the end zone and and making sure that he imposed his larger size on the smaller players that were around at that time. And then the, the going up high for the football, tremendously valuable asset that the Ravens have not used in the end zone as much during the Lamar era because they've gotten away from a lot of the fades. And when they do go to the middle field, it's usually been Andrews and, and he's actually a little bit smaller than Vokalak. Yeah. I thought the the first touchdown, the way you just dropped his head and bulldozed right through two guys right at the goal line. It was uh, beautiful. Um, yeah. I mean, good hands, good hands. How do you, how do you project his blocking? I mean, would you think he'd be a plus blocker? Is he like an Eric Tomlinson level blocker? Or do you think he still has some work to do there? He has the frame to be an exceptional NFL blocker. So I'd say, you know, it's a it's a it's probably a project to get him there. Um, I think he did a fair amount of blocking at uh Nebraska. I don't think he was a pure inline guy, but I gotta uh, say my view of him was ancillary because I really didn't have him on the draftable list mm-hmm. of players. And they didn't. They, he's a UDFA, isn't he? Yeah, he's a UDFA. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yes. So, so uh, uh, it's not completely unexpected that that would be the case. But he has the frame, and I think we've seen uh, not only some good blocking, but some attempt to use him as a blocker by lining him up in the backfield so far. And in, in may have seen it in a game, but we've definitely seen it in camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have some options there. If they were to go that direction, they could also potentially use a sixth offensive lineman like they had mm-hmm. in previous years for those four-minute drill in the fourth quarter, we want to put your team away type of uh, scripts. 
whether that be a Falele or a Cleveland or, you know, one or of the, both or Salah <laughs> or both and Salah too, put them all in there. <laughs> I love, I think about running QB power with those three guys added to <laughs> offensive line. Oh, hi, we're all tight ends. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, this sometimes movie scenes like relate, you know, are good analogies for this. But what that would be is like the the starting lineup for the opposing team coming out in the final scenes of the movie Slapshot. Do you remember I the, seen they, that one? Oh, okay. I haven't seen it. It's a great movie. You definitely want to okay. want to take the time. But it's a it's a Paul Newman movie, probably from the, about 1980, where he is the coach of a minor league hockey team that is about to be uh, go out of business, and so uh-huh. all the you know all the players are going to be either traded, released, whatever, and and uh, uh, they've got one star player who wants to, you know, wants to play the game straight up. And, and Newman, the fans and the announcer and everybody else wants them to be this goon squad. And, <laughs> and it's, it's very funny. So that's anyway, that's the whole premise of the yeah. movie, basically. They got some beef. They have some big boys out there. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on. I guess we go. Uh, anything to say? Are those the only two guys who played actually in this last game? So there's no likely. Right. He's likely getting further behind the rest of tight ends in terms of where he is right now. Potentially, potentially. I mean, he doesn't have the frame that the other two guys have. What he does have is better yards after the catch ability and potentially better blocking. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, he definitely came through for the Ravens from a blocking perspective in Roman's offense last year. A lot of what he did – was not necessarily in line blocking, but it's good keeping your feet in level two blocking, which that's that's invaluable and always under underrated. Uh, I, I think even seeing some of the Ravens do that in this game, and and particularly one guy who did it was Devin Duvernay downfield making some nice blocks in this game. I really want receivers who can still block, even if my offense is passing and predicated on yak. It's it it still is critical. Yeah. Hundred percent. Duvernay made my notes for his downfield blocking. Well, three times in one game, which is pretty yeah. unusual. So I, I definitely had that on the Flowers touchdown. Uh, that was Duvernay, Duvernay's scrum. Why don't you start us off in the wide receivers with Duvernay then? Because uh, he only played two series and he had, had three blocking notes. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the extent of his contribution. But I do think he has a role in this team as their best uh, hands guy and just as a, a special teams guy and, and a blocking blocking player. I had him on, on that very on the last two plays of that first drive, which is probably where you've got 13 minutes and 1230. He's got a note for each of them on uh, a downfield play. And so mm-hmm. the second one was the flowers weaving through traffic for the touchdown, mm-hmm. which Duvernay is, you know, holding off a, a guy the entire time. So impressive. Yeah. yeah, very yeah. He's a he's a pro at this point, you know, fourth year guy. He's he's a pro's pro. He fits the team. And I do think there are going to be snaps to go around on offense. Um you know, the, the wide receiver can be somewhat of a rotational position, and that's before injuries, and it's a pretty injury-prone group. So uh, I think he's going to have some decent decent run this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I think one of the other things uh, – I, 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 I hope he will take a stride forward in terms of route running. Um, one, of, one of the things I, I noticed in camp is that uh, Keith Williams is a fantastic teacher of deceleration. And how you know this is you see him always getting into that sitting in the chair position where he kind of shortens up his leg motions and then and then he goes. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I want you to go like this, and then he gets low, and he's teaching them how to decelerate and accelerate again so that they can basically make good breaks on, mm-hmm. on their routes. And deceleration, absolutely critically underappreciated skill of wide receivers. Most guys have that you know good top speed, at least pretty good acceleration if they're playing at this level now, but they don't always have the route running skills, which, which are really mostly based on deceleration or one of the very key elements is deceleration. So that's what Williams tries to teach. And you see him, he's very technical about it. He really wants to see players do it right. And I, I hope that's some, somebody who Duvernay can make big strides with because he's got the hands to mm-hmm. be, a, be an, a very effective receiver. Doesn't really have the size to be one, but he has the hands and the speed to be very dangerous after the catch. So if he can improve his route running, improve his average separation by just a little bit to give a few more uncontested throws, uh, he's going to do some real damage after the after the catch, I believe, even more so in this offense than with Roman. Agreed. I, just on the topic of deceleration, the Bruce Feldman's college freaks list that was published last week on The Athletic, they actually have a uh, a column now for – deceleration really that's great you're using gps data and they said maximum speed and then deceleration how many you know yards per second or whatever the, the measurement is so i thought that was pretty interesting do, do they have any measurements on like zay flowers or anything in terms of that i didn't see it this is the first year i noticed it so this is okay. all uh rising rising juniors and seniors coming up now okay. so it wasn't players from the last class but uh the more you know, i thought it was interesting more more information I, I, I want that link from you. Please think to yeah. send that to me after the show Absolutely. here, but, uh, but that sure. sounds great. Uh, <laughs> that's, that is so cool. Uh, so Duvernay, no other, no other real things. Let's talk about Zay Flowers a little bit. I'll let you start in terms of what you saw from him and, and uh, just how excited you are. Well, you know, he broke that first tackle on Forbes just, uh, and Forbes is despite his size is a pretty good tackler and just took that angle right away and got around the corner and then he, you know, had that weaving through traffic touchdown. I'm very excited about him. He is living up to the hype and maybe more so even listening to national syndicated podcasts. Almost everybody, Zay Flowers is uh, is on the, t- the top of their of their breakout rookie of the year watch list type of – you saw him at, at individual practices, at joint practices with the commanders, just, you know, putting people in the coffin, putting them in the blender. No one can seem to stick him. And one on ones, especially, but even in a full, full squad. So I think, um, as I was alluded to earlier, he bring he fixes the yards after the catch problem in two ways. One is by him catching the ball and 
creating them on his own. And second is by peeling the top off yep. so that there's more room for the tight ends and running backs to operate. So uh, I thought it was more of a maybe a luxury pick at the time when he was drafted. I certainly liked the pick. I did have, uh, I believe, one of the cornerbacks higher than him on my board. But now that we see him in action, the dimension that he brings, I don't think you can be uh, very, very pleased. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not upset about the about the pick at this point. I, I, I really, really wanted Forbes. And, you know, he went 16, and that was my profanity moment in terms of that draft. I don't, were you on this year when when when, uh, when we were having that discussion? We did, the, we did day two together this day year. Two. We did okay. the first round. So very good. So anyway, uh, that that was the, the biggest uh, – uh, Russia profanity on that particular pick because uh, Forbes was a guy I really just absolutely loved in this draft. But anyway, he he, he wasn't available. And then Banks is the guy that you liked Banks. ahead of yeah. I like Banks. Yeah, he's had a great preseason by the way with the Giants. He's, I I think he's had the most. There's a PFF stat I think, or maybe it was some some other statistical service, but they he had the most coverage snaps without allowing a reception so wow. far this year. So. Uh, Good, uh, uh, you know. Obviously, he's gonna gonna have a pretty good career. It seems like, but uh, but no, no question, Zay Flowers changes the way opposing defensive coordinators need to scheme, and they're gonna need to figure out what he's doing on a play by play basis, which means a lot more attention is going to him, which means a lot less attention is going to Andrews. Should make OBJ a better receiver because OBJ is not going to be. I don't think. I mean, you, it's nice to have all the tools in the shed, so he could be a vertical receiver, but I don't see him as being used primarily in that way. I see him as mostly as a possession receiver, and this clears up space for that. You don't want a safety lurking behind potential level two, level three flow, uh, throws, anticipating the overthrow and playing for interceptions. That's been a big bugaboo with, with the Jackson-Andrews connection these last couple of years. Definitely, especially against Pittsburgh for some reason. Um yeah, I think it's it's that that final. He's that uh, that sixth gear in the Ferrari. That's what Flowers brings you to the offense. All right, outstanding. Uh, let's move on. Talk about Tylen Wallace. How about him? Because he's a guy right on the margin of the roster who I'm really excited about in terms of what he provided in this game. We've seen a couple back shoulder TDs, nice and well timed up, and it, they've both been Johnson throws. Right? Am I missing that? No, one of them was Huntley. I think it was Huntley. Huntley yeah. week one, wasn't it? Yeah, even better. Right. So he's, he's, he's he has that connection with multiple different players. It's not just a this is my one guy that I have chemistry with. Yeah, he's been extremely efficient, targeted, not targeted very often, and scoring a lot of touchdowns. So um, I, I'm very happy with him. You know, this time last year he was competing to be wide receiver two, and now he's wide receiver six, and he's. Looks appears to be a better player this year than he was last year. So uh, an indication of how far the wide receiver room has come. So they they probably have other options they would go to first. But one of the things I kind of like about Wallace is that he probably could play that X position if he had to. And now they honestly they probably you know they they go to a non distinct set of receivers where they're not trying to, to create those individual matchups in the same way they could go to uh, Odell a, as an X and, and he could do some of what you need him to do over there. But I think he's probably limited by some of his own uh, speed at this point to using the entire route tree, which he certainly could do when he was younger. 
Um, you have Bateman over there, but but he will be the starter absolutely. But uh, Aguilar might also be a guy that they would try to take advantage of what he brings to the table on that X side. But I think Wallace, uh, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to have a couple extra guys that you're cool with who can run a set of routes that will disadvantage single coverage on that X side and potentially force an overhang from a safety over there that's that is directed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Aguilar would probably be the second man up, but that's just perception. I mean, I'm not haven't seen that or heard that anywhere. I think um, you know, think about the two minute drill coming into halftime. You're gonna probably be rotating through guys, spiking the ball, putting a new set of receivers on the field, keeping them fresh. I've heard this I've heard this um argument or you know, potential issue made amongst the Ravens flock. Well, you can't bring you, there's not enough touches for the there's not enough reps or who can blame Duvernay for not being upset because they brought in two guys over top of him or you know you need reps for the cornerback so you can't bring in a, a veteran here and I looked at it and I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me here but over the last two or three years the fourth and fifth wide receiver slash cornerback on either side of the ball between injuries and rotation sees about 10 to 15 to up to 20 snaps a game. That's the average for the fourth guy on the list. So, or the fifth guy. So anyway, point is um, keep playing well and you'll, you'll find some, some snaps on your way to the field. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I hear the question. I, I would interpret the question maybe in a slightly different way that, that Duvernay saying, look, I was a number two receiver last year. You know, it was me and Bateman to start the year and I was your deep thread. And now you brought in two new guys. I guess I can understand that in in some way how he might be upset, but it's, it isn't I, as as good as his hands were. Um, he needed to be a better route runner to be the guy who would make it easier for Andrews to catch balls, not just get some deep targets himself last year, and that he was not. So you know, hopefully, you know, he'll take a step forward as a route runner, um, learn some of the tricks of managing his own deceleration to to be uh, to be exceptionally valuable to the team that way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right so uh it seems like it's sort of it's sort of locked up now i mean i think wallace has played well enough to just any of these Tariq black um dante demas james prochet but potentially give him a run for that job he seemingly kind of swatted them away at this point maybe we talk about what you saw from any of the other guys and we'll be fairly quick about this and then we'll uh, move into the offensive line here, which I do want to spend a little bit of time on. But is who are your main practice squad guys from among the remainder? Because one thing we're really missing in camp this year is a true camp darling wide receiver. And I'm loving that fact that yeah. we're not well, hearing we have, about. We have Vokalek instead. Yes, we have Vokalek, <laughs> Vokalek instead. instead. Yeah. I would say um, I think it's time to move on from Prochet. I think it's time to let him see if he can latch on as a possession slot receiver with a team that needs that kind of skill set more than the Ravens do with the tight ends that they have. So I would say Demas and um, Demas and Black. I think they would be the two guys that I would look – that I would uh, prioritize getting to the practice squad. Yeah, I would agree with that. Sean Ryan, a good game a week ago. I think <laughs> Shamar Bridges has fallen off the the uh, the back of the roster. One guy we haven't talked about because he didn't play this last week is Laquan Treadwell, who is first-round mm -hmm. pedigree going backwards, good special teams player. We've seen some of the veteran savvy in terms of what he brings you by the sideline at the end of the first half prior to the 60-yard field goal by Tucker. Is there any way that there's a spot for him on the team? Not without injury. Yeah. Knock on wood. 
Uh, hopefully he's a guy you can keep on the practice squad. It's nice to have the talent of a former first rounder on the practice squad if you can do it. I like that too, but I also like having guys who are in year one and rookies on the practice squad because you got you got value on the option still. I don't yep. I don't like having a bunch of sixth, fourth, sixth, eight year guys on the on the practice squad when the, you know you're not going to retain them after this year anyway. So mm-hmm. fourth year maybe exactly the wrong. Uh, example, but let's say fifth, sixth, and eighth year guys. So that right. uh, that becomes clear. All right, let's move on to the offensive line. And, and uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the order of deployment and what that told us earlier in part one. Again, please go back and download that if you haven't yet. Um, one of the questions, obviously, coming into this was the, was the play at left guard and who how that would play out. Uh, I, I have scoring from that. Do you want to start with that, or would you like me to, to – would you like to uh, talk about your perceptions first, or how would you like to do it? Um. I'll just give you my perception on Simpson. I thought he was excellent. I thought you saw everything you wanted to see from him, uh, pulling, pull blocks, anchoring and pass pro, getting to the second level. Um, he was just a, he was a rock solid. That was a rock solid game from Simpson. Yeah. As, as I scored it now, this does not happen often. I, I would say the number of times this has happened with at least 31 blocks, I could probably count on one hand in 20 years. But he was 31 out of 31 on his blocks. So it's zero missed wow. blocks and no negative events. Okay. Wow. So, but 31 snaps is still a low number. You know, most of the games that I've scored over this period, I haven't scored preseason. So most of them have been regular season performances, which might have been 60 or 70 snaps. Obviously, that's a much harder to get to pitch a perfect game on. Sure. But this was a position starter ceiling performance. It's an A plus on this four level two blocks. Uh, no pancakes made his only pull two nice highlight blocks uh, that, that were uh, each a little different. Obviously that'll be in the offense uh, article. And I'd, I'd encourage people to go to that, but uh, I, it's, you, you can't play any better than that in, 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 than he did. And uh, one thing you'll see is like scores for PFF that will not quite be as high as you would expect for me to claim this is an A performance. They, believe me, they're looking at the same thing and they're saying basically he was perfect. What they, what PFF does is, um, if you don't have enough snaps, then the very the possibility of variance weighs on your score. So it's kind of like, what's the chance of a 400 hitter at the end of April versus the end of the season? There's a right. fair number of 400 hitters in the history of baseball at the end of April. There are very few at the end of a season, and that's why that variance component comes in. Regressing back towards average, essentially. Yes. Yes. So anyway, great game from Simpson. I think he's clearly locked it up, and I really would expect him to not play in the next game. So he'll sit the big six now, not the big five. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll we'll see some backup linemen really fighting for those last three or four spots on the roster. Yes. Uh, should we go to Salah? Sure. Stick at the same position. Uh, I thought you saw some good and some bad from him here. Um, I had a note he got beat. Uh in pass protection in the middle of the second quarter, um, seemed to have a better do a better job as a run blocker in this game. He did reach a second level on that same drive. Um, so I think he's you know he's a work in progress. He's not you can tell he's not quite he doesn't have his technique to where it needs to be at this point. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think you know it's not time we're not giving up on Sal of the prospect, but he's he's played two very poor preseason games so far the first one i graded an f this one also graded an f uh 29 plays 23 blocks three missed one one penetration so that was a on a pull it looked uh, first time i watched the thing i'm like wow he was in the backfield quickly well sala 
it was a little bit too slow to get over there. And honestly, it was a it was a difficult assignment to get there. And it was Jones, I think, who was the penetrator off the offensive right side, who mm-hmm. came in and took down the. Uh, mm, it wasn't Mitchell, and my, I think it was Wright for a five yard loss. And it was down near the goal line. They yep. scored on the yep. vocal act touchdown. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And and uh, that was uh, uh, unfortunate, but it is it's it's on him. He gave up one pressure. He gave up another that would have been a pressure, except under my system, he got run out of the pressure because it became a run play. Uh, and that's really obviously something where where a, a lot of people would say just give him another negative two for that, and that would be appropriate. He gets a zero in my system. Uh, he gave him the quarterback hit was a minus three, big penalty in the first game, obviously, but in this game, point fifty five per play. Uh, is uh, well below the minimum standard for a passing grade at guard. Uh, so that's a, um, uh, you know, it's not uh, not acceptable. And this is going to be a year where Sala is uh, able to practice with the team, is able to hopefully learn his craft and uh, develop his body as well. I don't think he has all the strength you would you would like to have in a in a uh, player, and almost no rookie lineman does in terms of having the both the size and the strength. They're still growing into their bodies. Um but I, I do want to maintain the thing that look who's playing for the Ravens in terms of their offensive linemen. Look who has played over the last few years. You graduate into a starting position. So when I have negative things to say about a first-year player, as I did some for Linderbaum last year, who had a lot of trouble pass blocking, and as I am having for Sala this preseason, or as I have even for Falele last year and, and to a certain extent this year as well, um, all of those guys are capable of advancing their game from where they were as a first-year player. In the case of Linderbaum, it's a really great situation that he started the whole year and his run blocking was so good, and he's got something he still needs to work on, but but he, there is expected improvement. And the Ravens have worked their magic on John Simpson to get a guy who had all these penalties to, to suddenly clean up his game a fair amount. Yeah, that's what Joe D's specialty it seems last year that they led the league in least penalties on the offensive line um yeah i i'm i'm bullish i'm I'm optimistic about simpson was never really all that concerned about left guard but i'm happy to see him as far as Salah, to be expected a day three offensive guard is going to be a work in progress nine times out of ten it's just to be expected not not uh getting our he's not disappointing us and he's not you know uh, surprising us in a positive way either it's just part of the part of the learning curve as you said yeah i think the ravens how, how, i'll ask you how do you think they played this in terms of the left guard uh battle from otas out to the present i loved it i thought it was great give the young guys some first team reps let him get his feet wet make simpson yep. uh, earn it <laughs> as a as a guy coming from a new team and now you have everybody where they need to be and you're better off for it you know from a uh, motivational standpoint, from a from a cutting your teeth standpoint, from everything. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, and you've exactly hit on that, so I don't really need to add anything to it. But just said, oh, by the way, you know, Harbaugh says at the podium, you know, a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks now, uh, that we're going to switch next week, and Simpson's going to get his chance to play with the ones. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, well, yeah, we had we had planned that all along, and, and I think they really had. I think they yeah. really had decided that was the way it was going to go, and you you want to be the second guy with the opportunity to clean up. And they're not flip-flopping back and forth, back and forth, back and forth like they've gone previously too. Yeah. Right. So you, And now you let them kind of, you know, five fingers in a glove uh, gel together. A little yeah. Good point. The line continuity should be very good in terms of, of, of this year and moving in. And uh, 
I actually, the only thing that, that, that I, I would question whether or not he's the right guy for left guard, and there's no doubt he's the right guy among the current candidates. I mean, this is a done deal is that Simpson might really be the right guy to back up a left tackle. And okay. uh, it, the, the reason I think that's a possibility is because his, his size and arm length fit the position. And if you look at his body type, he's much more of a top to bottom, even athletic build than a big, massive guard build with a lot of sand in the pants. He's actually a fairly right. low sand in the pants guy. So um, I, I I don't know that they've ever really looked at him as a tackle, but it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't shock me if he's, if he's a guy that they consider for left tackle, if things really start to unravel during the season. From my recollection, he was pure guard at Clemson, but uh, yeah. yeah, it could be. Honestly, I think if you pay him a carry $6 million a year, I know he doesn't have the arm length, but I think he makes up with it with some of his footwork. I think you have to have, make him that guy. If not, why are you paying him he's, so much? He's certainly the first guy off. Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think they're going to try him. I think if it went really poorly with McCary, which it hasn't been great all the, all his time at back, he's been he's been a you know maybe a slightly above replacement level backup. To be fair, um, mm-hmm. uh, but if he if he can give you that, that's actually pretty good. That's actually hard to find at left tackle. Um, but on the other hand, if, if it unwound further, if it unraveled further and he was, he was no longer that guy, he was a sub replacement level guy or an at replacement level guy. Then I think you have to look at your options and say, yeah. how do we, how do we improve this? Yeah. Yeah. So fall Lele would also presumably be in that mix considering he's taken a lot of snaps there. I saw some good and some bad from him this mm-hmm. game. Um, he jumped on the two point attempt. They credit it to him at least. I thought it might have been Salah, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, how, how how did he score? I didn't actually score him. I scored him the oh, first okay. week, and actually the first week I thought he looked better than he did in this mm-hmm. game. And 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 you know I've got my notes in terms of when he had mistakes on the field, um, failing to maintain a block, too slow to block uh, uh, on a on an RR zero, which was not good. That was a third down play that that the that they lost it. Uh, was that the punt, the first half punt? Yes, or the Gordon? first half punt, right before so, that. So Emmanuel Forbes sort of evaded uh, Falele yeah. and brought down Gordon. I thought Gordon, at first watch, I thought, wow, Falele's got to make that block. And then on second watch, Gordon I said, took the wrong, or took the wrong he, he should have yeah. cut back. He had yeah. a cutback lane there. Yeah, but, I, uh, I agree. It was it was Gordon more than Falele. But both of those were kind of tough zeros to assign and in fact it was a zero for him it was a negative two for for um uh sala on the mm-hmm. block by the goal line that went for minus five uh the, they the redskins commanders i have to swear jar again the, the, the commanders <laughs> uh uh were on it both times in terms of wanting to get in the backfield and run blitz on those plays it's very difficult to stop that with a pulling guard so yeah you know it, it, it kind of is what it is and uh they did a good job you need to have a, a set of plays that threatens that edge defender in a way that says, hold on, I better wait rather than rush in there in order to, to, to combat that. And the Ravens have had that in past years with the, with the read option, but they, they really don't have it uh, in the bag of tricks right now. So, right. All right. So what, what else uh, other, other offensive linemen? So uh, you mentioned finally at left tackle. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't think he's better than the, fourth option probably at left tackle right now i think they might go to sharp third okay. uh at some point you know depending on how bad things are maybe sharp gets claimed 
you don't probably want to break up the continuity by moving Simpson, but I think he's a, he's a possibility. I don't think Ben Cleveland is a possibility at at left tackle, but I think he's a possibility at right tackle. And I think also that they haven't um, they've never shown any indication that they would want to move Moses from right to left. Right. So I right. think they 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 really are thin in terms of left tackle backup options. Yeah, it's one of the hardest skill sets in the league. Not a whole lot of teams go deep can 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 survive even one injury. I, I do think it's somewhat encouraging that you do have a few options here that maybe you didn't have quite as many in years past. Sometimes you manufacture options for yourself because you're out of <laughs> options. So it's kind of like kind of like the Ravens' third and fourth and fifth and sixth cornerbacks right now is yeah. you're out of options, so we're going to manufacture some. So. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, anybody else we want to talk about on the offensive line? I think let's touch on Mustafer because I'm really struggling to project that is he going to be that last that last spot. But if there is only nine and it's Cleveland versus Mustafer, assuming Salah's going to be not in that competition, um, is it more beneficial to have a dedicated center with now he has 40 starts on his resume, so he's mm-hmm. experienced and I thought he was okay this game, not great. He did get knocked back or stonewalled a couple of times on run plays. And there was a couple of plays where there was some pressure and I wasn't quite sure if if that was on him or somebody else. But at being the center, you would hope that he's kind of navigating that. Anyway, I guess the question is, with Cleveland, is he is, does Cleveland give you enough versatility as a potentially three-position player versus the benefit of having a dedicated center? Left guard, right guard, right tackle for Cleveland. Obviously, you're not projecting Cleveland as a center, so you're right. you're you would have to get somebody else if if Mustafa gets gets signed by someone else because he's a he's a beyond the fifth year, so he'd, he'd be a guy yeah. who would have to get signed away from you. Uh, conceivably, you know, I, I think I actually thought Mustafa played real well in this game, and okay. and uh, you know, effective blocking. He gives the Ravens an unbelievably imposing offensive line in terms of size when he's out there mm-hmm. uh even though Lederbaum's bigger this year as well I don't want to put that down in any way but uh but I think if if you if you want a quality backup of center he could be it um one thing I didn't really take the time to do is go back and look at his individual snaps in this game and that's something you know in a long game like this is the shotgun snap showing up at a usual more or less straight line trajectory uh, directly in the mid section, or is he having to go down to his to his knees to pick up the ball occasionally to to find the football? And uh, you know that would be a consideration. I'm sure they have good analytics on that, uh, where they're kind of keeping a, a hits per at bat on on uh, or maybe a fielding percentage is the better definition mm-hmm. there for, of trying to get very close to a thousand in terms of uh, uh, how many mistakes he's making. But that would be a consideration. Um, you know. One of the things the Ravens are very adept at is looking around at the rest of the league and their current set of injuries and saying, yeah, we can get away with having this guy on the roster for two weeks uh, on the on the practice squad. We can bring him back uh, at that point and, and be our backup center. They could save some money if they did that by having him, um, uh, you know, obviously on a on a effectively a week to week contract if, if you come back. Another possibility is they use IR to get one of these linemen, not necessarily Mustafer, onto IR where Salah. he becomes. Could be Sella. Yeah. yeah. Could be Fal Lele. 
yeah. could could be uh, could be either of those guys. But they're going to want to keep they're going to want to keep Falele because he's a, a size and shape guy that they will lose. Salah, I would think the same thing, even though he's a six round pick. Uh, you know, somebody's going to find value in his size and shape at six six three twenty five, and Cleveland, and Cleveland. And that's three effectively size and shape guys they want to try and keep. And to do so, they might need 10 spots if you have Mustafa and McCary as backups. Yeah. So I guess the other way would be Mitchell's shoulder injuries is nagging him. He gets the he gets the stash, and then you mm-hmm. keep 10. Yeah. And that's that's a that's a that's a really effective short-term stash. Of course, you might really want Mitchell on the team. He's 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 a guy who will see playing time for sure. So it'd almost be better to have an offensive lineman be the guy, whether and it, if you really want to pick your offensive lineman who would be the guy, it'd be either Cleveland or Falalele is the guy you'd want to be the stasheroo. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. All right. Outstanding. So uh, I've got one more thing. Pick picking some MVPs. Did you pick three? I sure did. Let's do it. Your number three guy. My number three guy is uh, Justice Hill. Um, I, again, for the third time, I thought he made three good plays on all three opportunities and carried the offense down the field uh, on that first drive. Can't ask for anything more than that. Very deserving. Absolutely. And I, I had him on my honorable mention list, but I had three guys I like better. And I start with my number three, who's Zay Flowers. Uh, we saw the show we hoped to see from Zay Flowers in terms of his unbelievable ability after the catch in this game. So also some good ability to get free, um, uh, but uh, but basically ability after the catch being the, the, the primary thing we saw here and uh, very impressed by it. And he, he got to play against A-level talent with Malcolm Forbes on that uh, offensive right side. Completely agree. He was my number two. Uh, okay, so I guess we jump to my number two since we've talked about yours. My number two is John Simpson. Uh, very rare we see an A-plus value like that, and it really was a question for me whether he was two or one, not not whether he was on the list or not. So uh, easy easy call for that. By the way, Simpson been the number two MVP in both these games so far. So well, he, He's my number one MVP in this game. So uh, Really? Very good. Very impressed. I mean, I, okay. I just – he played deep into the game, and as you said, he had a perfect game. So it's uh, it's hard to get much better than that. I'm I'm impressed that you've you've got him there. That's very good. And then I, I had Johnson as the number one. I thought basically he had a nearly perfect game uh, in terms of of driving the offense. The only downside, obviously, was the ball that got through Procey's midsection somehow and and uh, fell into the hands of the defender, uh, which was very unfortunate. But uh, uh, anyway, I don't really blame on Johnson, who I thought had an outstanding game and uh, gave his receivers a chance to make plays with the ball after they they got it. Definitely. He's my honorable mention along with uh, the two tight ends. Okay. Always a pleasure to talk football with you, Voss. Uh, you, we, we have so much fun doing this. We always go a little bit longer than expected. And, and, and even though I appreciate how terse you are with your, your delivery and whatnot, you're very to the point. Uh, we still go down a few rabbit holes as, as we do that. And I appreciate you indulging me in that. Tell folks where they can talk football with you online. I am at Twitter at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. I am the co-managing editor and writer for the Baltimore Beatdown blog, part of SB Nation. And I have a new podcast every Thursday night with Yuri, live streaming at 9 o'clock on Thursdays called The Raven's Way. All right. Outstanding. Also, I want you to look for Vas and my joint project this year, which will be Thursday Morning GM. 
So Monday morning quarterback, you get it how it goes. I'm a Thursday morning GM. But this will be a, a show that comes out on Thursday. It might actually come out on Friday, but probably Thursday. That will go through what are the concerns at a general manager level for the Ravens as of every Thursday during the regular season. So this is going to be a, a, an ongoing thing. Voss and I have slightly different views on franchise building, but very complementary, I think, in terms of uh, understanding the need to save money. Voss just wants to spend it somewhere else than 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 uh, I do, or in a, in an irregular pattern. That I do. He'll let, I'll let you explain to him on the show <laughs> right. anyway. <laughs> no, I'm looking um, forward to it, Ken. Especially now you're coming into you have your franchise quarterback, and you, the, the 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 economics of this of this keeping this team to be a contender have never been uh have never been more important as they are right now. Very challenging, and I, you know the the 2000 and 2001 Ravens had similar challenges. The 2013 Ravens had similar challenges. And neither of those two teams was able to maintain, you know, a dynasty uh, after the, the, the 2000, 2001 teams were great, but, but they, but the, then they fell off until the, uh, you know, they rebuilt that defense. Uh, it's going to be quite a, it's going to be quite a challenge. I'm looking forward to it too. And I'm sure we'll have some animated discussions about, about how that's going as the season progresses. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'd love to hear from you. Colonel of an idea. Again, Please, if if you try to rewrite the evolution of the game of football or or uh, anything about <laughs> every element of franchise building, we're going to break that down into a smaller part. So try not to paint the Mona Lisa or uh, paint the Sistine Chapel, and we'll, uh, uh, we'll 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 try and pick a kernel of an idea that we can talk about for about fifteen to thirty minutes. Love to hear from you. Always love to meet new people, and this is where I find new people who can do other shows with me. So this is really the pipeline that that uh, that I'm looking for. So. I want to meet you. I want to hear from you. Please uh, give me a call. And Voss, thanks again for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.